Good morning. Pastor Dave is still on his sabbatical, so make sure we continue to pray for him. Um, John, I, I know I, say, I said this last week, could you lower those lights a little bit that are shining on me? Um, I just got back from a mission trip with the youth. It was a great time. We went down to Pearland to do some, that's right, I uh, went down to Pearland to do some Bible clubs, and then also there's a, there's a trailer community that one of our sister churches uh, has dedicated themselves to, and so we went around trimming branches off of trees and, and, and doing things of that nature. Uh, at the end of the week, we sat around uh, the living room of the pastor there, and we were just asking the question, you know, what, what is it that, that God has taught you this week? And I thought one of the youth said something uh, that was, was insightful and mature, they said, that, they said that they were moved by the fact that when they got down there, that God was already working. That God was not waiting on them to start to work, but God was present before them, orchestrating and moving in people's hearts and minds uh, for them to receive our, our, our offering of, of love. And, and I want you to realize that this morning, that, that before you came here, before you sat down in your pew or, or bench, uh, God has been working and God has been moving. God has been preparing your heart and God has been preparing your mind for the text that we are going to read and discuss today. And God has something for you. So it is my prayer this morning that as we read the text, as we talk about the truths that are in it, that you make yourself ready for what God has for you. We're going to be in the book of 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 today. Last week, uh, we continued in our series on certainty, uh, and and, uh, John wrote this book to encourage believers in their faith, giving them tests that they can give themselves to make make themselves certain of what God is, is doing in their hearts and lives. So last week, we talked about the test of love. Uh, God said that we love one another because God first loved us and that it is impossible to love one another without the love of God. So there was this great test of love that God gave us. Today, the test that we're going to have is the test of obedience. Uh, Whenever we follow Christ, whenever we believe in Christ, um, what happens is that there is a certain obedience that, that bears its fruit in our lives where we love the law of God. I'm currently reading a book with some of the, the guys in the youth ministry called Seven Men. is written by Eric Metaxas, who also wrote books like uh, Amazing Grace about William Wilberforce, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I recommend the author, recommend the book. And the third chapter is about this man named Eric Liddell. Anyone, anyone, familiar? Raise your hand. anyone familiar with Eric Liddell? All right. All right. Eric Liddell was an Olympic runner. Uh, ran in the 1924 Olympic uh, runs. Uh, he, he had a movie made about him, Chariots of Fire. Anyone, anyone you know, he's probably, that's probably ringing some bells now. Oh yeah, Chariots of Fire, that guy. Uh, it's a great movie. Uh, it's been decades since I've watched it, but this book reminded me of Eric Liddell and his story and, and Eric's commitment to the law of God. Eric was born to missionaries in China and his parents sent him and his brother to school in Scotland, their home country, to be educated. And one of the things that the Scots learned about Eric Liddell is the man could run like the wind. 
uh, they, they kind of joked a little bit about how he, he finished his races. He put all of his heart and all of his mind and all of his strength and energy into the races. By the time he got to the end of his 100-meter dash, man, his arms were flinging out to the side. His head was back. His eyes were closed. Uh, but even with that poor form, he was faster than any man alive. And so whenever the uh, Olympics came around, uh, Scotland was excited. Never before had any Scotsman won a gold medal. And here was one of their sons, Eric Liddell, who was going to represent Scotland and, and, and the United Kingdom in the 1924 Olympics. He qualified, he was ready to go, but then he found something out. He found out that the qualifying race to be in the 100-meter dash was going to be held on a Sunday. And that posed a problem for Eric. Because Eric, you see, was a believer. He was a Christian. And he believed that God's law said that we are to honor the Sabbath day, to keep it holy, that that Sunday was for a day of worship. And so Eric believed this, and his conviction said for himself that he should not run on a Sunday. And so he made that public. He made it known. And all of Scotland felt betrayed. Here was one of their favored sons. Here is the one who could bring their country honor, who could win the gold medal. The, the British Olympic Committee was up in arms. They tried to convince him. They tried to, to threaten him. Eric, just run. It's not a big deal. But he still said, no. God's law forbids me to do it. Eric Metaxas wrote this. Eric revealed the value he placed on obedience to God. He ranked it above the greatest treasures that this world has to offer. What ended up happening is Eric refused to run the 100-meter dash, and instead he said that he would train for the 400-meter, which is a completely different race. The 100-meter is all about giving your all 100% of the way. The 400-meter is like a mid-range race where you have to pace yourself. And, and if you've seen the movie or if you know the story, you know how it goes. He shows up to this race that he's expected to lose and he pours his heart into it. He pours his souls into it. Arms flinging, head back, eyes closed. He crosses the finish line five meters ahead. Every other runner winning the race. Think Eric's story. Eric Liddell's story teaches us something about him. And it teaches us something about the, the love of God. And it's this. If you love God, you're going to obey his commands. If you love God, you're going to obey his commands. If we look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, let's, let's see what the apostle John had to say. He said, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your active Holy Spirit. And Father, we pray how 
you've been orchestrating our weeks and our lives to be at this very moment. Father, you have prepared us, you've made us ready and for, for your word to be spoken. So Lord, open our ears, open our minds, open our eyes, give us wisdom, give us understanding, Lord, to hear what you have for us today. Father, I know of my own strength that, that I don't have the ability and I don't have the, the skills, Lord, to do this on my own. So, Father, I pray that you take even my, my offering and make something of it, Lord. Give me the words to speak that might communicate truth. Teach us, Lord, to delight in your laws and to love you rightly. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The certain test that we have today is that when we love God, we will love his law. And as we read this text in John chapter 5, I think we come across four truths that we need to realize. The first is this, that loving God's law is not natural to the human being. Loving God's law is not natural for us. Hopefully this gives you a little bit of comfort. Uh, Hopefully you're thinking, whew, because, man, I see some of those laws that God has given us, and, and, and right now I, I'm not liking some of them. Some of them. So the, the truth that this passage gives us is that naturally, apart from Christ, we're not going to love the law of God. We see this in verse 1. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been, listen to this phrase, born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. We have to remember who wrote this book. This was the Apostle John. This is the one who was the beloved disciple of Jesus. This is the one who sat next to Jesus during the Lord's Supper, who hung on every word of Jesus. This is the one that loved Jesus so much and was so intimate with him. He was able to write uh, the the beautiful gospel. And in John chapter 3, and really when I read 1 John, man, the gospel of John is all over 1 John. And so whenever I read this passage about whoever is, is born of God, loves God, it made me think back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 is, is a story of, of, of Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night. Was always, and he always joked, I said this is the story of Nick at night. Um, so th- this, this, is a, this is a story that, that John gave us about an occurrence where Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and begins, begins to ask questions of Jesus. And Jesus said, said this in John chapter 3 verse 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So what John is saying is that What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. And that's why Jesus is saying we need to be born again. Because if we are not born into the Spirit of God, then what we are is we are children of the flesh. And this is what John says about children of the flesh later on in John chapter 3, verse 19. And this is a judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does the wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Whoever does what is true comes to the light, 
so that that may be clearly seen and his deeds have been carried out, that his deeds have been carried out by God. So this is what John, if we boil it all down, this is what John is saying. If you are not a Christian, if you have not been born again, if you do not love Jesus, he's saying then you are in darkness and that your deeds are evil and that you will hate God's law because God's law exposes our own faults. It exposes our own misdeeds. But Jesus here offers us this, this invitation and said, don't just be born of flesh, but be born again. Be born of the Spirit, because when the Holy Spirit comes into you, he does a transforming work to where we begin to change and the, the, where we used to live in, in darkness and where we used to revel in our own evil and our misdeeds. Now we are born of the Spirit. Now we have light. And if we have light, then we begin to love the law of God. And as a result, it shows that the love we already have for God. One of the things that we talk about a lot in the youth ministry is, is the order of obedience. And this, this is crucial and not to miss. It's a difference between those who, who live in darkness and those who live in, in the light on, on why we do follow God and why we obey God. See, some people say, you know what, I'm going to try to obey the law of God so that I can be accepted by God. But that's not the way Jesus ordered things. The way that Jesus ordered things was this way. He said, what you need to do is you need to, to, to realize you're loved by God. And you need to realize that you are accepted by God. And as a result of your love and acceptance, it's out of the heart overflowing that you want to obey God. Um, so, so, so that's what John is laying out here. He's saying if you've been born of the Spirit, you're going to love the law of God, not because by keeping it you are accepted by him, but when you are born again and when you are born of God, what happens is, is you love God. You are accepted by God. And as a result, what you want to do is you want to obey his commandments. Loving God's law is not natural force apart from the grace of God. However, once we have the grace of God, once we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, we have this desire to want to please him. We have this desire to want to love him. And as a result, we keep the law of God. The second truth we have here is that uh, we love God by obeying his commandments. This is, this is the, the primary point of this whole passage. And what John is actually doing here in verses 2 and 3, let's, let's read those. He said, by this, uh, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. What John is doing here, once again, we have to remember the author. What John is doing here, he's actually quoting Jesus. This is a direct quote of Jesus from the book of John, chapter 14, where Jesus said, if you love me, then you're going to keep my commandments. We have to remember that whenever Jesus sent us out as missionaries into this world, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to, to go and tell everyone about Jesus. We're supposed to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're supposed to teach them all the things that Jesus commanded us to do. So Jesus is saying, is saying, if you love me, if you are my follower, you are going to love my law. You're going to love my commandments. And, and as we read the Bible, as we read the, the, the Old and New Testaments, we find this over and over again, that true followers of God love God's law. Look at, look at, um, look at Psalms 119, 
if, if you have the, the pew Bibles, the one underneath the benches, it's going to be on page um, 515. Psalm 119 says this about the law of God. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Jumping down from, from to, down to 102. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and the light into my path. What this author is saying is that he loves the law of God. He loves it. That's not oftentimes how we think about the commandments of God. We don't think of them in terms of, of their, our delight. But that is exactly the way the Bible per- teaches about the law of God, that the laws of God, the commands of Jesus, should be our delight. In fact, when we read Psalm 119, over 10 times he says that he delights in the law of God, that they are what makes him happy. But once again, we have to realize that, that we might not be there yet, that our, our love for God might be true, but it might be small. And if we want to, to, to love God more, one of the things we need to do is we need to love his laws more. So in Psalm 119, he does delight in his law, but he also says this over 11 times. He prays to God saying, teach me your laws. Teach me your commandments. Over eight times, he prays for understanding in this chapter. The longest chapter in the Bible, the longest psalm is about loving God's law. Because the truth of the matter is, when we love God, we will love his law. You know, this, this morning we had a, a child dedication where we read the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. And it basically said this, I'm the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt. I rescued you. What are you to do? You are to love me with your heart, your mind, and your strength. All of who you are, you're to love me with. And then what does he say? After that, he tells us how to love him. How do we love our God? We love our God by delighting in his commandments, by teaching our children, saying whenever you're sitting in your car, you're talking about the law of God. You're talking about the works of God. When you're sitting at your dinner table, you're talking about the law of God. Because whenever you delight in something, whenever you love something, it's on your lips. It's on your thoughts. It's on your mind. You know, I, I, I have my daughter. She's almost four this summer. And um, I don't know if those of you who have toddlers or have had them, uh, they don't like to obey. They kind of like to do their, their own thing, right? And so as a parent, our job is to discipline them. So if I put a command out there and I say, Abby, do not do this, and then she looks at me in her little defiant way and then she does it, it's my job as a parent to discipline her. But you also have to ask the question, why do I discipline my daughter when she disobeys me? Well, I discipline her because I love her, and I know, uh, and, and I want her to love me, and I know if she hears my commandment, her earthly father, she hears my commandment, and she disobeys my commandment, what that shows is her lack of love for me, her lack of respect for me, and so the reason I discipline her is, is, is really this, and this is why we discipline our children. We discipline them because we want them to love God, we discipline them because we want to teach them how to obey their Heavenly Father. Because if my daughter, who can see me 
and who knows that I give her good gifts and who knows that I love her, if she can see me and disobey my commandment to her and she, and she can't love me, then how can she love her heavenly father whom she can't see who also gives her commandments? You see, when, whenever we love God, we need to obey his commandments. I think um, our application here is that we need to learn the law of God. We need to learn the law. Do we know what God's commandments are? Do we know what the Ten Commandments are? Do we know where the Bible talks about certain sins? Do we know God's opinion on things? Because I, th- I think it's, it's, it's a, a fallacy to say that we love God, but then not know what his law says. It's, it's comparable to this. Um, let, let's use a football example. I'm not a football guy. I, I know I might just have to check my man card right there. But I, I'm not a football guy. I didn't play football growing up. I love sports. I love to play sports. I just don't like to watch them. Um, but, uh, but I'm not a football guy. What if I went around saying, man, I love, I love the gridiron. I love football. I love to see guys just like crash on the field. I love to see a good tackle, a good pass. I love it. Football is the best thing in the world. And then you start to inquire a little bit. And you said, so Stephen, what's your favorite team? And I was like, well, I really don't know the teams. I think there's one in Texas, maybe two, maybe, maybe three. I don't, I don't know. Are there three teams in Texas? I don't know. But yeah, there's two. I do know that. But, and I said that. I said, well, I'm, I'm really not sure about the teams. And he said, well, well, well who, who's, your favorite, who's your favorite quarterback? And I'm like, uh, Emmett Smith, I think, is, is my favorite quarterback. Um, I, I, I really like him. And, and then what if he said, well, Stephen, you know, what position, like, what, what does a linebacker do? And I'm like, is, is he like reinforcement to the line? He, he backs them up? Like, I, I, don't, I have no idea. I, I don't know. So if I go out there saying, man, I love football, but I don't know the teams, I don't know the coaches, I don't know the player, do I really love football? No. We can't be ignorant. If we say we love God, we cannot be ignorant of the way that he tells us to live. We cannot be ignorant of his commands. So if, if that's where we are, and we're saying, man, I love God, but we don't know our commands. We need to pray the prayer that, that David prayed in Psalm 119. We need to lift up our head and say, Lord, I want to delight in your law. Teach me your ways. Give me understanding. And then what we need to do is we need to search out God's law. Because God's law is showing us how children of his kingdom ought to live by his grace. Because we are already accepted by him. Not only that, if we're going to say we love God, if we're going to say we love the law of God, then one of the things we have to do if if you're a parent is you have to teach those laws. You have to give those commandments to your children. The the catechism, uh, one of the catechism, the children's catechism says, how do we glorify God? By, By loving him and by obeying his commandments. If we want to teach our children to love God, we have to teach our children what God demands of us. Thirdly, um, when we love God, we realize that his commands are not burdensome. Look at 1 John chapter 5, the second half of verse 3. I, I love it. It's a great verse. We'll just read all of 3. 
It says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And then it says this, and his commandments are not burdensome. I think oftentimes when we think of God, what we think of God and how we view God is we view God as like a cosmic killjoy. That all our God wants to do is to find out where we're having fun and enjoying life and he just wants to squash it. You know, he just wants to take it out, ruin all of our fun. Come on, God, why not? I just want this one little thing. I just want to do this. And we view God in that way. We might view God as like a, a manic, like physical trainer who's always trying to add more and more weight to your bar to the point where underneath the burden of the weight, we just buckle and crash down under it. And that's oftentimes how we view God. We view God in a way that says our God makes life burdensome. But let me ask you this question. I want you to think about the burdens that are in your life. Think about what worries you, what crushes you. It might be a broken relationship. It might be broken finances. I don't know, but think about that. And and if you don't have time right now, I want you to do this when you're at home. Maybe with, with a spouse or with a friend. Take your burden that you have right now. And trace it back. Why do I have this burden? And you'll find that the burden that you have is more than likely not a result of God wanting to ruin your fun, but that the burden that you have is a result of your sin and not obeying God's command. John says that when we love and delight in the law of God, it's a result of our love for him and it says that the, that the law is not burdensome. Matthew has a story of Jesus in this chapter 11. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is giving us a metaphor of the law of God. He said basically that the law of God it is like a yoke. A yoke was a, a, a wooden tool that you uh, it was carved so that it could be placed over two uh, animals, usually oxen, and, and, and you attach a heavy load, you attach a heavy burden to those oxen. And those oxen would lean their weight into that yoke in order to drag their load, in order to drag their burden. And this is what Jesus was saying. He's saying, saying I think, two things. One, He's saying, if we misunderstand the law, then it becomes a burden. If we say, you know what, I am going to obey the law so that I will be accepted by God, he said the law is going to be a huge burden for you, and it's going to crush you because there's no way you can earn God's love. There's no way you can earn God's favor. You'll be crushed underneath that burden. But on the other hand, if you accept Jesus' perfect obedience to the law, if you accept his sacrifice— and then you put that yoke on, then it's light and it's easy because Jesus has already won the battle for us. Jesus had already conquered sin. He's already conquered death. He's already given us acceptance by God. We have everything we need. So his burden is light because all we get to do is love God. All we get to do is, is obey out of the love we have for him. That, that, that's a beautiful picture that talks about how the, the law of God is not burdensome. And I just ask you, you know, ex- to accept his invitation. Are you 
weak? Are you heavy laden? Are you burdened by the sins and the cares of this world? And accept Jesus' invitation. That burden that is on your back, just lift it off. Throw it down. And accept Jesus' yoke on you. Accept his gift of salvation for you. Obey the law, not out of duty and obligation of trying to to have a a self-salvation, but obey and love the God and, and his law out of the abundance of love because he's already kept it for you. God's law is not burdensome. And then finally, when we love God, we have faith that can overcome the world. Verse 4, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I think it's very easy for us to become burdened with, with our besetting sins. The sins that we have as believers that we just worry, and we're like, oh, I just don't want these. These, these give me guilt. They, they, they keep me from my relationship with God. They, they ruin my relationships with other people. I want to get rid of them. And this, this is the hope we have in Jesus Christ, is that when we love God and we delight in his law and we keep it out of love, not out of obligation, what happens is we have this faith. And it is a faith that overcomes the world. What is the world? The world is, is a system that promotes independence from God and his commandments. That's what the world is. The world is saying, God, I want to live my life without you. The world is saying, God, I don't want to obey your commands. That's what the world is. And Jesus said, faith in Jesus, delight in his law, helps us to overcome all the sins that beset us, all the sins that that hold us down. Through our faith in Christ, we can overcome the world and its temptations. So, I was thinking whenever I read this, how do you know if you are being overcome by the world? So here's just a few questions for you to ask yourself. Are you, you know, this is a question to find out if you're in the world, if you are living in the systems of this world. Are your hearts, what are your heart's desires? And what are your longings? What, what do you want in life? What, what's, your, what's your goal? Is it God and his kingdom or is it something of this world that will rot and, 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 and be lost when you go to the grave? Here's another question. Question number two. Are you resolved to be rich and to have things of pleasure and luxury? Oftentimes this is one of our goals. It's a great temptation in our country. But if we spend our life pursuing the material things of this world, if we pers- spend our lives trying to have the, the nicest house and the nicest cars and the newest gadgets and, and, and we're living life and that is our life's goal and pursuit uh, to have as many vacations as possible. We're living in the system of this world and not in the kingdom of God. And then finally, determining on whether or not you are being overcome by the world. Our third assessment question. Are the things of God always trumped by the things of this world? Are the things of God always trumped by the things of this world? Do you say, oh man, I really feel like I need to go and, and, and take my neighbor who just had a baby. I need to take a meal to him. I need to get to know them. And, and, and I, I need to love them in the name of Christ. 
But you know what? I've got soccer practice. And I can't be late for soccer practice. Well, I've, I've got, I got a movie coming up. And uh, my favorite part's the previews. I don't want to miss the previews. The things of God being trumped by the things of this world. I think when we say that out loud and we look at it through this context, doesn't that look petty? Doesn't that look small? I'm not going to love my neighbor. I'm not going to share with them the greatest treasure that's known to man because of soccer, because of a movie, because you name it. Don't let the things of this world trump the things of God. So what ought we do? I think one of the things that we need to do is we need to realize that we have victory in Jesus Christ. We have temptations in this life, but we ought to know that no temptation is bigger than Christ. That he has overcome every temptation, that he has overcome every sin. He's paid the price for every sin, and our Christ is victor. And so we need to have faith in him and believe in him and have the peace of Christ in our lives because of that. Secondly, I think what we need to do is we need to dwell more on Christ, who he is, what he's done, who we are in Jesus Christ. Thirdly, we need to fall in love with his commands, read our Bible, pray that God would enlarge our hearts to delight in him. And we need, in our love for God, we need to strive to obey his commands. And we we mentioned the beginning of the sermon, uh, Eric Liddell, and how he strove to obey the commands of God. But his striving didn't stop there. Striving for the commands of God is a lifelong desire, pursuit, and goal. We find after Eric Liddell won his gold medal in the 400, he then announced to the world that he was retiring. Young man in his prime, he could probably win another four gold medals the next Olympics, saying that he's retiring from running. And he said that he was retiring from running because he felt the call of God in his life to become a missionary to China. And so he packed up and left the comforts of his world, traveled to China, began to love the people there, met his wife, a Canadian missionary there, got married, had two daughters, and then World War II broke out. And it broke out while the Liddells were on furlough in Canada, visiting family. And so they had to make a decision. They could stay in the safety of their Western world, away from war, away from danger, or they could strive to obey the call that God had placed on their life. And so Eric, his two young daughters, and his wife, who was pregnant, went back to a war-torn country in order to serve and love God, to strive to obey the call that God had placed on their lives. Eventually, out of fear for the loss of life, fear for his family, Eric sent his family back to Canada, Canada, but he himself stayed behind to obey God's call in his life. And on the same day that Pearl Harbor uh, happened, same day that Japanese struck Pearl Harbor, Eric Liddell, a missionary to China, was placed in a Japanese prisoner camp. And there he lived his life, loving his captors, uh, loving his, his captors, loving fellow prisoners, preaching the gospel. Uh, and that's where Eric died. 
as, as a prisoner of war in a Japanese internment camp. And this is one of Eric's words that, uh, that he wrote while he was in that camp. He said, if I know something to be true, am I prepared to follow it even though it is contrary to what I want? Will I follow it if it means being laughed at by friend or foe? Or for it means personal financial loss or some kind of hardship? And Eric's answer was yes. I am prepared to follow through every hardship, through every trial. And his yes was possible because he had a great love for God. So my charge to you today, my prayer for you today, is to love God. Love God. And out of your great love for God and who he is and what he's done, fall in love with his commandments. Because it's impossible to love him and to hate what he has said. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your law. We thank you for uh, that it's not burdensome. We thank you, Lord, that when we follow it, man, there is, there is joy and happiness in knowing you greater. So, Father, I do pray that you would enlarge our hearts to know you more, that you would enlarge our hearts to, to, to pursue your law, to, to apply it to every aspect of our life, to love people through it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, you're dismissed. Don't forget, we have Sunday school up at the plaza. So if you have a fifth grader through youth, you can go up there with them and stick around with them. Y'all have a good day.